Welcome to the Pruleith Culinary Institute podcast. I'm your host, Adela Stieler van Avestazen. Join me as we explore the fascinating world of food through interviews with chefs, chefs in training, farmers and producers. We will be talking ingredients, techniques, recipes, history, trends, health, sustainability and even the odd bit of politics. But it will all be about food. In 2012, Chef as a Career was gazetted as a trade. This action has led to the development of a new national curriculum by the Quality Council for Trades and Occupations, as well as for the first time a national final theory and practical exam for all South African chefs, better known as the Trade Test or the ISA. With me to discuss these changes in culinary training in South Africa is Ausu Gierke, not only Prulith alumna, but also head of the Professional Body and Skills Development at the South African Chefs Association, as well as Debbie Lartz, head of academics and special projects at Prulith Culinary Institute. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hi there. Thank you. Ausu, starting with you in the very beginning, you have been very involved in the development of this qualification. But how did it come about that Chef was gazetted as a trade in South Africa? Well, in 2012, the minister invited the CETAs to apply for occupations to become a trade and then go through the whole National Artisans Moderation Body process because they are the custodians of trades. And just important to to understand that the reason why this happened was that chefs were kind of nowhere. Was it an occupation? Was it a, a profession? And this gave us uh, gave chefs a home because the definition of what a trade should be is an or an artisan even is an occupation where a qualified person applies a high level of skills and is supported by the underpinning of embedded or applied knowledge. And that is important to understand. Chefs are not only working with their hands, they also need the knowledge and the know-how. And that's really why it came about. And from there, all these other processes came to light. Okay. Yeah, it certainly is interesting. And I think that we quite often have the misunderstanding that we think, I'm going to cook, I'm just going to be using my hand. And our industry has changed so significantly. The development of this qualification has been a lengthy process. How and by whom was it developed? The development of this started under our CETA, which is Cath CETA, in 2013, where they had a scoping meeting where they invited over 100 industry players from um, workplaces, training providers, associations together to create something called a CEP. And that's a community of expert practitioners. And these people then sat around a table for many, many years, maybe two, to create this qualification. Now, the people involved were the South African Chefs Association, um, RASA, the Restaurant Association of South Africa, Toho Sun, obviously Kelsita was managing this process, and then quite a few training providers, both from the public and the private sector, had input, and importantly also City and Guilds, who was the qualification that was being taught in our private institutions prior to this being released. And then, yeah, that was how it happened. And it took about two years. Okay. And that was for the development of the qualification. Yes. And after that came the development of the trade test. Correct. Was so, that a similar process? Actually, really similar um, with a lot of the same people because 
consistency and continuity throughout the process is extremely important. So NAM then took over this process as they are the assessment quality partner or AQP um, for all trades in South Africa. And they took on this project and people sat around and we designed the assessment, the ISA, External Integrated Summative Assessment for all qualifications related to culinary. What were some of the challenges in this process? Well, (laughs) you can imagine that putting a lot of chefs, um, a lot of really strong personalities in a room, they could be quite a melting pot in Adela, you would know. Because <laughs> I did attend some of those sessions, <laughs> you, yes. You were there. And that is really, um, the fights that broke out was not ugly, but everybody wanted to get their point across. And eventually, I think we arrived at a point where everybody agreed. Luckily, the qualification goes into review every five years. So if we then decide or the industry decides or training providers that they feel something needs to change, then it can be changed going forward Mm. or enhanced or taken away because we feel it's redundant. So that's a very important part of this qualification as well. So challenges are there, sure they were, but they could be overcome. (laughs) I think what was interesting for me being part of the process is that, you know, the reason why there were challenges is because we were also passionate about getting this right and about really creating the right qualification for our industry. Because we've all been working in this industry for so long and everyone had a good sense of what should be done. And we had such high expectations of what the South African qualification should be. Absolutely, especially with the ISA. Um, the training providers that were there were passionate um, for their students mm. to be able to to get this. And that's why they, the challenges arose. Yeah. How is this qualification different also to the previous national qualifications? Well, I think at this point, our qualification is longer and people do tend to think it's maybe too long. But if you think about the qualification, it integrates a practical, a theoretical and a workplace experience components which are really, if you think back now, when I said about um, what is a trade, that's exactly that. You cannot be a trade with only learning the practical side or just the theory side and never getting into a workplace. So that is what's different. I also think that the qualification now allows for everybody to have access to it. There is no more differences between national or international. Everybody's got access to it and it is Um, The assessment of this qualification is a national standard. It's no more, providers no longer decide on how to assess. This is done externally. Debbie, as someone who's been involved in culinary training for the last almost 14 years, what is your impression as an educator of the new trade qualification? Adela, it's a very interesting change that we've had. We've gone from an 18-month qualification to a three-year qualification. And although there are certain subjects that are new to the City and Guild's original offering of a diploma in the national qualification, these are subjects we've always taught at Pruleith. So now what it's done is it's given us that much longer to really produce students who are industry ready. They are older, they're more mature, they're ready to go into the workplace. And with the addition of um, management, which is the biggest change to the qualification, we are seeing students who are able to run businesses, to go out after their three years, gain some experience and really have a diverse range of careers that they can go into from owning their own business to being managers of kitchens, which was sorely lacking in the previous qualification. There was not much management scope at all. So as an educator, I 
really endorse the three-year qualification. It's it's a great change. Yes, it does have its challenges, as we were saying earlier, but it is a phenomenal thing, especially for the 18-year-old. That extra 18 months going out into the workplace for the first time as an employee at 21, it's a huge difference to going out at 19, 19 and a half. And we're mm. seeing a great great change in how our students are approaching the workplace from this qualification. I have to say, I think the management side has definitely been one of the highlights for me as well in this qualification, because we know that kitchens are notoriously badly managed. Mm. And it is because as chefs, we were generally taught to cook. Yes. Um, Previous qualifications were not about, you know, HR management and about how to motivate your team. You either naturally developed that, um, but you never sat down and actually learned these things in a education. And I think that that is a huge value as we're seeing that that is becoming more and more important in the workplace in general. Absolutely. So Debbie, what would you say this new qualification really means to young students who are now entering the industry? And does it have any significance for chefs that are already in industry? Adela, let's deal with the chefs in industry already. The amazing thing here is that we have in South Africa a huge diverse culinary spectrum of establishments from the game lodges to restaurants to our franchises and uh, small businesses and the very nature of the chef career is one that you can be trained up Uh, so many times you hear the story of someone being a sculler and becoming the line chef or the sous chef of a restaurant and where the absolute benefit of this qualification to industry is is the phenomenal concept of arpl artisan recognition of prior learning and that is a simple in inverted commas simple process of of doing your ISA. So anyone in the industry with three years experience can come and achieve this national qualification and actually have a qualification based on their years of experience. So that's a phenomenal change for our South African markets with this qualification. For the student, the benefits are vast. What we're seeing is the amazing change to the availability or uh, variety of career paths that are open to them. You know, everything from product development to management to retail management, all your various different industries along those lines, owning your own business suddenly becomes so much easier because of the management subjects, the HR subjects, things that give you a wider variety to be able to do more. And I think there are just so many benefits in this qualification now that um, it is the answer that we were looking for for many years. Also, you mentioned earlier on the accessibility of this qualification, and I think Debbie really pointed to it there with the ARPL process. But what exactly is this process? How does it work? Well, um, and I'm sorry, but ARPL is the Artisan Recognition for Prior Learning. And um, it is very important to understand how valuable this is in South Africa. And I think Debbie explained it perfectly, that people have access to this process now, which they could never have. The process is actually quite simple. You apply for it at an accredited trade test center and you go through this process of practical and theoretical testing, evidence, you supply evidence through a portfolio of evidence, and then you access to the trade test if deemed competent. And then you do the the trade test. So it could be as as quick or as long as it needs to be, but it allows for um, gap closures. It allows for any of these things, and it's significantly cheaper than doing a full qualification. And if we look at people in our industry, 
it's very seldom that a woman or a man who's been in the industry for 15 years can take three years off their life. They are the providers in their family and they can't afford to do it. So this process allows them to achieve the qualification based on the skills they have gained in industry. It's extremely valuable and very important for all culinarians out there. And that is quite often the step that they need in order to get promoted, in order to move into management positions in the kitchens, and that they're not just staying as the line cook for the rest of their life because Mm -hmm. they are not qualified. And that happens quite often in our kitchens. And especially previously, that was the norm. People would be stuck in the same position and we need these individuals to move up. We need that upward mobility to make space in our kitchens for the youth that is suffering from severe unemployment. And we need that space opening up for them. Very true. Pruleith has been the first trade test center in South Africa, Debbie, and we've trade tested almost 30 chefs by now. Can you explain what the structure and the process of the ISA is? Yes, Adele, the ISA is a, a separate test. It's at the end of your study. So if you're a full-time student, you will complete your three years of study and then you will gain entrance based on your competency and the qualification outcomes to the ISA. And once you have gained entrance you and you receive a serial number in the case of ARPL or your SDP or skills development provider has gained access for you based on your results, you then do the trade test, which is a two-day process. The first day is your theory. It's an hour theory, hour and a half theory exam out of 100 marks. And then you move into the kitchens, do a bit of an induction, settle into the space, especially for those that haven't been in that uh, facility before. It's an opportunity to get to know the facility, see where the equipment is, what equipment is available. And then you go home and you spend that day really stressing for the practical (laughs) that's the next day. The practical is hard because it's long. It's six hours. We generally start at about 9am in the morning and it runs through until about 2, half past 2 and you're required to cook and that's what you need to do and that's what we all do is we cook. So it's hard in that it's a test, it's hard in that it's, it's six hours long, but it's about applied knowledge. So it's very much what you've been prepared for and it's cooking your heart out and focusing on the food. So it's really, it's really a fun day actually and at the end of it it's quite a sense of achievement and you find out usually on the same day, pending moderation, what your results are and if you're competent. And that's basically the structure of the ISA. Okay, well, you have both been through this. Debbie, I can hear that you were talking from experience, not just as an (laughs) educator, but as someone who's been through the ARPL process. To both of you um, who are trade-tested chefs, was the test difficult? This is what everyone wants to know, I'm sure. They're only going to listen to this podcast for this question. (laughs) For this reason. Was it easy? Was it difficult? It was both. It was absolutely both. And it's very true what Debbie says. It's the time. I don't think we realize how long six hours really is. (laughs) And especially as educators or people in offices like me now, six hours is a long time to cook. It really, really is. But if you are well prepared and if you think about even just Adele at Prulis being an alumni, think about how students are prepared there. There is absolutely no reason why anybody shouldn't find this easy. Um, if they go through this qualification. And that's the most important thing, preparedness. So yes, it was difficult. Um, and we can't really remember. And even though I wrote the qualification or were part of the CEP and the, the design of the ISA, and it was still, I didn't get 100% <laughs> because there are still 
things that you don't prepare for. So if you're well prepared, it's not difficult. But I think that's a that's a very interesting point, and it's something you know I'm I'm busy at the moment with about twelve ARPLs, and a lot of it is nerves. You know, a lot of it is nerves. For most of the ARPL candidates we see, they haven't written a test. I mean, one of my candidates is fifty four years old, and he hasn't written a test in forty years. Mm. So for him, it was about nerves. It was about not the unknown, and. Once the theory was done, everyone calmed down about the practical and, you know, that's where we're all comfortable. But it comes down to preparing yourself mentally as well. It's really, it's an easy process because it is what we do. But you do need to study for the theory. The theory is hard. The management aspect is very new for a lot of students. The younger you are, it's, it's something you've got to learn. The older you are, you've got to remember that you're writing a test, not applying your knowledge. So it's a hard test, but it's being a chef. So if you can focus on that and focus on being a chef, it's, it, at the end, I felt it was fun. Mm. During, not so much. I just want to add, sorry, <laughs> Adili. <laughs> I just want to add that when we designed the ASA, it was benchmarked um, at a national level. It's accessible to people regardless of where you study. And because that was the sort of bouncing, the platform we bounced off of, um, it is very much a universal skills test. Mm. And that's what students have to remember. It is the um, minimum requirements to enter the workplace as a chef to party. And that's what it is. And everything else that the, the colleges or the academies do is an enhancement of this, which is also extremely important. Mm. Thanks. I just wanted to say that. I think for me, in terms of the theory, I know, Debbie, you mentioned now that it is sort of reminding older people that they're not applying their skills, they're writing a test. But even the theory is more about application. Yes. Um, you know, it is really about if, if you're thinking about, yes, there's lots of textbook. And mm. I think people underestimate that part. Yes, yes. There's lots of required knowledge. Mm. But, you know, if you are answering that paper, I think, there, Debbie, there is a lot of applied knowledge. If you answer this paper as a chef that is an industry and you think about how would I deal with this situation in industry and I think where you're referring to is that we don't quite often make that switch yes. where you don't take yourself back to the kitchen to answer that question yes. you're sitting in the classroom yes and actually if you make that switch and you say you know what how do I do this at work every day exactly um, that is what ultimately what this ISO aims to mm. test mm. yes absolutely yes. yeah also, you've mentioned that it is a national qualification, but it has also been benchmarked against international qualifications. Do you know in this process what which international qualifications were you looking at? Yes, definitely. We were looking at quite a few, obviously because it was aligned to the City and Guilds qualifications. Um, there's that international aspect, but we also compared this qualifications, qualifications in New Zealand, Australia, and there's a few other countries where we benchmarked it at the same level for those countries. And that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I think it's because we aligned it to international standards that that sort of movement between or on a global scale would become easy mm -hmm. once qualification is well known. Debbie, the national versus international. In South Africa, we are often skeptical of our national education system. And at secondary school level, especially, we are seeing an increase in youngsters moving to private schools and studying international curricula. What would your response be to prospective students and parents who may have the same concern about the national trade qualification? 
Adela, that is such a great question because it's very apt to what we are seeing at the moment. With the change to the trade and nationalizing the qualification, we are in effect saying that city and guilds or uh, CTH and high fields qualifications need to take a backseat to the national qualification in that the national qualification is the primary chef um, qualification. And a lot of parents always chose the culinary school based on the city and guilds, based on the CTH, based on the high fields because of the opening of doors it gave to their children, you know, the ability to go overseas and work, the ability to travel. And funnily enough, what we've seen is the trade being registered as a trade is now the biggest benefit to people wanting to go overseas, whether it's to immigrate or to travel, because trades are a worldwide skill set. It's a worldwide grading. If you have a recognized trade, that is what the countries want to see is what is your trade qualification. And they are choosing that over the international qualifications. A lot of these qualifications are not even registered on Ofqual anymore. So the benefits of, you know, coming to any of the providers now that offer the occupational certificate chef is that there is the trade test and you can travel with it. It's the preferred qualification to have to travel, to experience the wonderful world of gap years and everything that you want to do overseas. David, specific countries, are there specific countries that have requested these trade qualifications or has it been all over at this stage? Uh, no, Adela, we've actually had confirmed letters and requests from immigration authorities, specifically in New Zealand. We've had similar sort of requests from Australia. Mm. And generally, that's actually from the immigration authorities mm. that we've received those requests for the trade qualification transcripts. Whereas we've also had confirmation from students that are in Europe, Mauritius, where they've seen that chef is registered as a trade and our students have only the, for example, city and guilds qualification. And they're saying, coming back to us and saying, no, where is their trade qualification? And, you know, again, we've just graduated our first occupational certificate chef students. So it's a new qualification. So anyone prior to about 2017 is not going to have this. So they're going to need to come back in ARPL in order to immigrate. Mm -hmm. So also, what exactly is the impact of this new qualification on the international culinary qualifications like city and guilds that we've mentioned, CTH and high fields? Adele, I think just taking a step back, we have to understand that these qualifications, the international qualifications will always have a place or a role to play in South Africa. But not every chef that studies wants to go out and travel. They don't all want to immigrate. Mm. So what does the national qualification offer for those students? Well, if you are 19 or 20 year old and you want to study to be a chef and now at 28 you decide you want to go into consumer studies or follow a different route, go to UNISA, if you have this qualification, you will get credit for it. If you don't, you will have to start from scratch. And that is a very big consideration. Um, the national, And that's a benefit really of the national qualification if you stay here. But the international qualifications is very much a enhancement to that qualification mm. and a lot of things might actually be similar but that qualifications well the more papers you have the better equipped you are the more studying you have the better equipped you are even if it's the same but you get assessed in a different way it prepares you better for it and therefore I think to have this dual qualification is extremely important. Mm. Also is it possible to just study the international qualifications without the national qualification? 
Well, not really anymore. It's also very interesting to note that in South Africa, um, according to the Skills Development Act, and I know it's boring in its legislation, but if you want to be called a chef, you need to have a trade certificate. Otherwise, you can't hold that trade. You can't call yourself a chef, and that might become a problem later. So you need to make sure that you have this qualification for the country you live in. And like I said, you can't really study the other ones because they are to a certain degree being blocked, but used as an enhancement to the national qualification. And I think what has really been beneficial um, for our students is that we do give them the option also at pre-lease to do city and guilds alongside because yes. this qualification really was uh, built on the foundations of the city and guilds certificate diploma and then the advanced diploma that we were teaching before with additional subjects that I was very excited about that elaborated more on the environmental mm-hmm. and sustainability, yes. which also makes us a far more relevant qualification for, you know, the current yes. Pardon the pun, but climate, Um, you know, literally that and the world that we work in and trying to create sustainable shifts in a sustainable environment. It's just, Adele, it's interesting to note that you can never have enough knowledge. And that's really what it's all about. And as a chef, the more you learn, and it's a lifelong learning process. So if you can get this foundation at the beginning with the national qualification and enhanced by an international qualification, you just open the entire job world to yourself a lot better. Mm. And that's what you really want to achieve as a young person. Mm. It is. I think that's what's confusing for a lot of new or potential students and parents is the change is not making much sense. Why the change? Why have we suddenly gone longer, but it's actually still just an NQF5? And I think the viewpoint here is, as you mentioned earlier, Elsu, the nationalization of, of the qualification, or shall we say the nationalization of the chef as a career is very important to our industry. And it's very vital to understand that that's what we're doing. It's not about throwing out this qualification or throwing out that qualification. It's about looking at the bigger picture of what is a chef and who is a chef and how do we best prepare a chef for the industry and the variety that's available, career opportunities that are available to the chef. How do we prepare them for all of the different ones so they can make a better choice? You know, you go and study a BA, you can be so many different things. You're not just a BA. You know, now that's what, we, what we're seeing is that that's what's happening. So studying your city and guilds alongside or your CTH or your high fields alongside the national qualification, as you said, also is adding to it. And I think that's the big change that people need to see with this qualification. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I like what you said about the nationalization of, mm. it's almost the nationalization of the chef standard. Yes. Because I think that is something that we have been extremely passionate about, saying how do we improve our hospitality and specifically our food sector in South Africa. Yes. We have got amazing ingredients. We have got amazing you know, tourist attractions, you know, we have Cape Town, we have the big five, we have, you know, the mountain, we have the bush, we have so much in this country. And when we have tourists coming to visit, 
our food and how we present ourselves on a plate didn't always match these other spectacular experiences. And by bringing in a qualification where we are enhancing the standard in our industry, where we are enhancing the culinary abilities of the people that work in our kitchens and that work with our amazing ingredients, it's really going to enhance also our tourism and hospitality offering in this country. And I think at this time, certainly something that we should be focusing on and that this country is going to need very much in future. And so I think it is a national asset, this qualification, like never before, like we've seen never before. But Debbie, being a national qualification, most schools are going to be teaching the same qualification. How do prospective students then go about choosing a training provider? Well, Adela, that's a, a very big question with lots of factors. First of all, what I always say to our students at Open Days is it's got to fit. It's got to feel right. We all offer the same qualification. So first and foremost, find the right fit for you. You're going to spend three years there. You need to feel comfortable. You need to feel happy. You need to feel convinced that this is the right place for you to learn. And once you've done that, there are all the sort of academic avenues that you need to look at. So the first one's going to be the standard of the school. You know, the, the national qualification, your trade test at the end is exactly the same, no matter which school you go to. So it's about what else is on offer and to what level or commitment standards, quality standards, who are the lecturers? Mm -hmm. What have they done? Where have they been? How do they lecture? Is it the same lecturer for each subject? Or do we have culinary specialists? You know, at Pruleith, we believe that, that you have to have a culinary specialist. You can't have the same chef teaching pastry as opposed to cold kitchen. Charcuterie and chocolate, they can mix, but you... Ugh. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit interesting. <laughs> I, I think I may have seen an interesting Italian sausage that combines cacao with pork. <laughs> well, I, I, but I, I it's do. Rare. And, you know, sitting around this table, we have a cold kitchen specialist, a hot kitchen specialist and a pastry specialist. And, and funnily enough, that's we're all pre-leaf, you know, so it's vital to our recipe that we have culinary educators that are specialists in their field. We not just, although we focus on one skill set, we also cross train so we can support each other because within a kitchen you have to. So coming back to your factors, um, once you've assessed where you fit in the standard of your school, you need to look at the facilities. What does the training environment look like? What are the lecture facilities? What are the practical kitchen facilities? How often are practicals done? What small equipment is available? You know, is everything there that would be needed and what is an industry? What are the suppliers? Who are the suppliers? What are the ingredients? What type of ingredients? What quality of ingredients are worked with? And then obviously the last one, which is the most important actually, is your workplace experience. 18 months of this qualification is spent out in the workplace. At Pruleith, what we do is we do the first six months on site at our award-winning Pruleith restaurant, which means in our recipe, the student is on site for 18 months before going out for the very first time into industry. So where you are placed on practical, who, what mentors are in industry that the skills development provider places the student at. Are they award-winning restaurants? Are they good quality chefs? Are the chefs qualified? Are the chefs mentors themselves? Have the sites been vetted? All of those sort of factors come down to how you choose your training provider. So, but most important is quality and fit. 
Do you feel at home? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to focus on the food? And most importantly, are they teaching the language of food? Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that you're very good at and very passionate about, Debbie. <laughs> and um, you are Dilly. <laughs> <laughs> and you also. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, compliments all around the table. But I, I think what is really great is that, you know, I think to be a, a culinary lecturer, you have to be incredibly passionate and you have to yes. enjoy on the one side the food and on the other side being able to share it, mm. which what this qualification really is about. It's about, you know, transferring that knowledge that we have built up throughout the years and really sharing that with with youngsters to turn them into the food magicians of the future that are really yes. going to make us proud. A lecture can make or break a chef. I really believe that. Oh, that it's very true. And I think that is why your points about, you know, find the fit. I think every school has got its own personality, yes. its own style. Mm-hmm. And that is what you need to find the place where that's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. I think something else is also to ask, what do you offer over and above yes. the, the national qualification? You know, because we are seeing that we are also, um, you know, with our garden project, and with our sustainability, it's an area that we're particularly passionate Mm. about and we are most certainly venturing out into additional subjects in that area for our students where there will be more, you know, experience in that area, for example. You know, I think our patisserie as well Mm. is another area where we are perhaps going further uh, or far further than than what the qualification requires. Mm. Absolutely. um, Yeah, so they are. But it, it remains a difficult question, I think or a difficult decision. I think the most important thing is to attend as many open days as possible and to get as much information as possible because this is a decision in the end of the day that has to be based on information as well as feel. So, mm. um, you know, attend the open days, definitely. Also, in less than 18 months, it is already time to review this qualification. What changes do you expect to be made in this process? Well, Adele, there's obviously going to be a process where we're going to engage with training providers, people who have been teaching this uh, qualification. But I think currently our biggest change will be what the fallout is from COVID and making sure that we are adapting the qualification or the curriculum to ensure that there's teaching, that we're moving to a digital age, that even though it's not going to be like that forever, it is the fourth industrial revolution. We need to get on board with it. And that's going to be one of the focus areas of the curriculum review. And I cannot believe it's almost five years since we've done it. It's ridiculous. (laughs) We're still referring to it as the new qualification. It ain't so new no more. (laughs) So I think that's, that's what we're going to be focusing on. Also looking at taking into consideration what do the training providers feel is redundant what do we not need to teach anymore what do we where we can take away without adding things we can't add anything without taking something out because we cannot end up with a four-year qualification so we need to make sure that we um, find that balance and that's always in consultation that's what's going to be and I actually quite look forward to it because this year has changed the way we look at food and and teaching and this is going to be an exciting time for us. It certainly has changed the way we work at, at Prelease. Debbie, yourself have been particularly busy. How have you experienced the changeover? Because we also implemented a blended learning process during this time. How do you find technology enhancing this qualification at this stage? It certainly has been interesting. We have uh, added an online Moodle-based platform. And we have also gone using Zoom. And funnily enough, I actually read an article yesterday where a lot of CEOs are starting to say, lose the Zoom. 
which is quite interesting. But the whole process has been really good. We have found that the students have loved the change. And a couple of years ago, I was part of implementing the change in another school and, and it wasn't really accepted by the student body that well. So it's very interesting to see the change now with the fourth industrial revolution, as Elsie was saying, and the acceptance of the student to the delights of having their curriculum on their phone to while they're traveling, being able to access it. And I think, as Elsie said, the change or the advancements from COVID has, has been huge in the culinary education field. And a lot of things have gone online. But for me, the big thing here is that no matter what we do, we will stay with practicals on site. There is no way we can move that away. Mm -hmm. Food has to happen in front of you. It's tangible. It's a, it's a practical. It, we need to feel it. We need to taste it. We need to smell it. We can't do that online. So that will forever stay at Prulief, a practical. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think back now that you mentioned this, I was actually trying to describe smells to students when we were doing just a demonstration <laughs> over Zoom. And that's also when I realized like I need you in front of me to do this. Yeah, no, it's impossible. Oh, ladies, it's been absolutely fascinating talking culinary education and trades with you. This discussion has certainly shed light on many of the questions that we are answering at Open Days at the Institute. But also before we leave, um, where can people go for more information on this qualification? Are there websites that you can recommend and where can they find out about trade test centres in the country? So Adela, there's quite a few. Uh, people can access the curricula and the and that kind of documents from the QCTO website, which is very easy to find with a Google search. Um, phone your provider. Phone the nearest culinary provider in your area if you need to have more information. But also use your professional body as the base of knowledge. And you can reach me at alsu at sachefs.co.za and we'll be able to, to guide you where you need to go and where you need to get the information from. Thank you. And just add the website for QCTO is www.qcto.org.za. On there, you'll find the qualification document, which is the breakdown of all the different modules, as well as the curriculum document, which has all the outcomes and criteria on it. And, and, then, the, and the assessment specifications. So literally what you're going to be tested on in your answer exactly. is in a document. It's a public document. You exactly. can go and have a look. Exactly. And then obviously SACA website, www.sachefs.co.za. And then also places like SACWA, the South African Qualifications Authority, go and explore these sites. You know, don't just go look for one thing, but go and, and read up about it. It is your future. So it's good to know what's happening in the country and abroad. And then also for the ARPL process, Prelith, we've been busy with the process. Debbie's had a hands full. You can also visit our website. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you for joining me, ladies. Thank you, Adele. Thanks, Thank Debbie. Thanks, Adele. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.